We're in 2 Peter chapter 2. Uh, we started, we, last week we, we uh, uh, took the first three verses, and I'll read them for context, and we'll go from there, and hopefully I'm going to get through the whole uh, chapter. But again, I'm going to talk fast, and I listen fast, okay, because there's just a lot here, and I, I kind of, you know, have an idea where I want to get and things like that. And, I don't, and next week I'll we'll do chapter three, and so that's the end of the book, three-chapter book, four weeks. It's about right. Let's pray. Our Father and God, we pray you'd bless your word to our understanding. I mean, we want to be changed people because of this. And I know, I know this is controversial stuff. We don't care. I mean, sometimes you write in your word controversial stuff. But we want to come away with a clear understanding. So we pray you're blessed to that end. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I say controversial. We're going to talk about losing or not losing our salvation. Every time, even in Calvary Chapel circles, that's not something that we're all on the same page about. And I just want to say right up front, a little graciousness. You've got to take a stand one way or another. Well, I don't know. Well, that's fine, I guess. I, I, I don't believe in conditional life. I've called it eternal life. I don't like the phrase eternal security. It sounds like if I can do anything I want, and just that's fine, and God's fine with it. Well, you know, I never, I don't purport that to be so. Uh, so when we talk about these things, give it a little. I, I don't. People who think like you, you're saved, and then you lose your salvation, and then you repent, you get it back. I don't call those people heretics. Okay, I don't throw that word around. But I think that people who believe in eternal security, although again that's not a biblical phrase, people who believe that once saved, they're they're saved, they're in. I don't call those heretics these. As a matter of fact, I kind of lean towards that camp. Now, I don't care which one you're in. I don't care which camp you're in. You're going to find some verses that are going to frustrate you. And these are one of those ones that kind of frustrate me. Okay, I'm just, I'm just going to be fair. But I'm going to tell you how I believe. And, I, and I'm, really, I'm really concerned with getting this right. Don't, think, don't ever think my like, motives are impure. I believe once saved, always saved, because I'm a reprobate. Because at home I get drunk and I and I uh, I get high all the time. I'm taking drugs. I I look at porn all the time, and I just like to believe once saved, always saved, because it it loans its way to my pernicious lifestyle. So not at all, not at all. Uh, I just I just my my whole teaching. I'll give you the end from the beginning. I trust God for my salvation. I believe that He's saved me. And I believe that he has the power to keep me. Now, the others will warn and say, you know, you better you know, straighten up and fly right. And that's kind of the idea a lot of times. And I'm thinking like, eh. I have known in my life when I have had seasons of sin, I say, not you, Adam. <laughs> You're supposed to say that. You're supposed to gasp in horror. You, sinner? Impossible. Uh, when I've had seasons of sin in my life, where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. That's scriptural, but I've, I, I know that to be the case, where God chooses to sin, chooses to suffer. You've heard me say that all innumerable times. He'll let me wallow in that, and, and, and if I sin against my wife and my relationship starts going south, and we're, now there's tension, now there's not that closeness, now there's not that... And by when I say this, I'm talking about like I'm not talking again about pornography or extramarital. I'm talking about uh, I've treated her poorly. I've I've been you know snippy or short with her or did something to disrespect or something of this. Now all of a sudden we're not 
really comfy, cozy. Now we're kind of at odds with each other. Choose to sin, choose to suffer. I like it when we're like besties and, you know, and we're like finishing each other's sentence and we're like really, really close. I like that. But like if I, again, if I treat her poorly, I can't expect that that will happen. You, you get this. Um, intimacy can't happen when sin happens. They're naked, not ashamed. Genesis, what happened? Sin, and now they're covering up their differences. The, th- the point of celebration now is a point of controversy. Now we got to cover those things up. Choose to sin, choose to suffer. But I found that when I choose to sin, there is suffering, but God just woos me back to himself with this graciousness, with this love, with this, like you do, your parents. Your, your kids are out there writing their stories to cause you heartache. Uh, I'm feeling you. I know exactly what you're talking about. Don't look back at Micah. Micah's my good son. I have a I have one who's writing his story, and I, and I understand. I mean, I understand. But heartache. What do you do? Love. Love. More love. Pray. Hope. Love. You can come and ask me to pray for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I will. You can. I, you know, listen, I'll pray for your prodigal. You pray for my prodigal. I mean, but I don't have the answers. I mean, I really don't. But let's get, let's keep moving. I ain't getting nowhere, am I? There were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, boy, are there ever, who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that brought them, uh, bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. And so there is, and so there, and so that's what happens. And many shall follow their pernicious, evil ways. I said pernicious earlier because I was thinking of this word here. It's evil; just means evil. By reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. Who's the way of truth? Jesus Christ. They speak evil of Jesus Christ, yes, they do. And through covetousness, that's greed, through uh, shall they with uh, feigned words make merchandise of you, whose judgment now a long time lingereth not, and their damnation slumbereth not. In other words, it's payoff time. And now he's going to give us examples of this, and I'm going to read right down through them. For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell, and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment, and spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the word, uh, world of the ungodly, and turned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making that an ensample unto those that after should live ungodly, and delivered just Lot, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked, for the righteous man dwelling among them, in seeing and hearing, vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptation and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. Now, we don't have a lot, uh, that's a run-on sentence. He'll get like a, a C- minus in English. His English teachers say, no, that's no good. It's a run-on sentence. But I wanted to read it in its entirety. He gives three examples of God judging ungodliness, specifically false teaching. Okay. Um, God didn't spare the angels that sinned. And everyone's thinking, okay, you know, the fall, the, the original supposed, and I think so, third of the angels that rebelled against God, Lucifer and those. I don't think he's talking about that. I think he's talking about the second rebellion. That's to say that the, go, the strange going on of uh, Genesis chapter 6. And I would talk about that in length here. Uh, and then he goes, mention the flood right after that. But we're going to, address that when we get to Jude in two more books, okay, after, well, three more, after um, 
2 uh, Peter is 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, then Jude. And we'll discuss that at length at that time, so I'm going to table that discussion, but I think that's what he's talking about. And he said, why don't you think he's talking about Lucifer and, and that one? Because they're in... Uh, they're delivered into chains of darkness. Listen, Lucifer is in chains. Okay, I don't think I've met him, but I've met some of his buddies, some of his co-workers. You know, I, I don't. I'm kind of small fry. I don't think Satan's after me. When we say Satan, we all know we're talking about Satan and his dominion, his hordes, his his henchmen, his cronies. However, you, you know, however you want to say it. I don't think he's messing with me. I think he's got, like I say, more important people to mess with. But certainly, you know, you got some demon assigned to your case and, or demons, and I've got them assigned to mine. I don't think they're in chains. I don't think they're in, th This second group, I think they're in chains because of what they did. God's making sure that don't happen again. And spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly. He just gives that as an example. Listen, this is a really good example. I think we think sometimes... God, well, God can't, he's not going to judge us all. If we all agree on this bad thing, God's going to change his mind and now think it's a good thing. You know, when I was involved in, um, you know, what's the word uh, when you rebel against the government, uh, like sit-ins and demonstrations is a phrase. Civil disobedience, thank you. So we get by a little help from my friends there. When I was involved in civil disobedience, say, when was that? That's a long story, okay? Uh, edifying one, but not for today, okay? Uh, when I was involved in civil disobedience, there was a big group of us, we say, oh, they can't arrest us all. And we kind of had the idea that, okay, we're doing something illegal, but what are you going to do? And I was a little kid anyway. So, you know, what are you going to throw a 12 year old in jail? Um, so um, I think we have that, we take that into our spiritual life. You know, we're all doing this, and so God's got to change his mind on the way. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I, was still, you ever, I say God can judge singularly, or he can judge on the group plan. Do you ever hear me say that? You know where I got that? I got that from Proverbs chapter 11, verse 21. Though hand join in hand, the wicked shall not be unpunished, but the seed of the righteous shall be delivered. Now, that's what we're talking about in Second Peter. Though hand joined in hand, the wicked shall not go unpunished. God's saying, I can judge you individually, or I can judge you on the group plan. I don't care. No, we got hand joined in hand. So, like we're locking arms, like, yeah, yeah, okay, God, come and get us. He's like, yeah, okay, no problem at all. Uh, we can't, because we, we think in America, with a majority, we're all set. You silly people, you. Not you. Not you. I mean, there's people listening, uh, you know, tuning in on Facebook and stuff. You're, you're here. You're, 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 I know. Well, you know, God, he's just old-fashioned. You know, he's got to get in step. Homosexuality is just genetic, and God's got to figure that out, and he can't punish people for that. <laughs> How cute are you? And God said, I can, I can judge on the, on the group plan. It doesn't bother me. It's nothing to me. I, I don't even work up a sweat judging. No, he's gracious, and he loves people. I want you to get that across. But if you think, like, just because I'm in the majority, I'm right. Listen, if you're in America in the 21st century, and you're in the majority, nine times out of ten, you are clueless. I can point to election after election after election to prove that point. But I will refrain from now. i give you example after example. Uh, you know, most people don't believe in salvation by grace through faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. 
the majority of people don't agree with that. I don't care. <laughs> the majority of the people are wrong. And listen, I've been that my whole life. I'm in the minority of the minority. I'm used to that, okay? But, you know, get used to it. You're not... It, People aren't godly and good and righteous. I mean, they they make crazy decisions. Like, like everybody of the maybe twenty billion. Some people think it's several billion. Some people think like they go through the actuarial tables in the days of Noah and think, you know, with the longevity and the many children, stuff like that, and no birth control or no desire for birth control. People think that when in the days of Noah, as many as twenty billion people perished. Can you imagine? I, I don't know if that's true. I mean, I just know. I'm, people, who knows, okay? Like anything, right? Statistics, right? A lot of people, except eight. I'm not talking about 30,000 people. And I don't care even if we were. What's eight out of 30,000? What's eight out of 20 billion? Because, listen, you can agree with me and get on the ark, or you can disagree, and bad thing. That's the point. And talking about homosexuality and, and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an example unto those that uh, after should live ungodly. Is it a good example? Yeah, but I don't think people have taken the example to heart. God says, no, don't use that that way. No, 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 no. And we think we're like, I'm, I'm so loving and so all-inclusive and like we're doing somebody a big favor. I remember when I was uh, 47, that was 13 years ago. At that time, the average, average life expectancy of a homosexual man was 47, when I was 47. I'm, I, I don't know what it is now, okay? There's new and better treatment, better drugs, and I hope they cure AIDS. I mean, I really hope they do. Having said that, the life expectancy is still a quarter century less for no other reason, you should be against homosexual lifestyles because you just lost a quarter century out of your life. And I'm just saying, oh, it's wonderful, it's fine, and I can march in the parade with you and everything else as you lose a big chunk of your life. Why would I do that? And God says it's wrong. And I know people think it's genetic. I don't even know that. I don't even know that. I'm not a geneticist. The Bible says it's wrong. And like anything else, you know, I know monogamy isn't genetic. I mean, it's not. But I know a lot of my friends practice monogamy, and I would say, good, good show. Keep, keep up the good work. What's genetics? Well, people are genetically, like, lascivious. Don't obey your genetics is all I'd say. Genetics. What kind of argument is that? He says, uh, no, I... Can you hear me now, Sodom and Gomorrah? No, you're not raping angels as they come to town. No, uh, unacceptable. And, uh, and he delivered just lot. Now, this is important. By the way, you would never say just lot, and you wouldn't use the phrase righteous man if you read that story of him. First, he's looking towards, um, you know, towards uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, and then he's like, you know, makes decisions. He lives there, he's not, and eventually he's an alderman in the city. Step, step, step. And I, if I was preaching through that, that's how I'd handle it. You know, little by little, just kind of, you know, after one, you know, you know, it's, it's like we, we take this, we rationalize, and our ability to rationalize is amazing. 
we take these little steps. Oh, this ain't nothing wrong with this. There ain't nothing wrong with this. There ain't nothing wrong with this. And suddenly we're an alderman in Sodom. But his righteous soul was vexed from day to day with their unlawful deeds. Mine would be, wouldn't yours? But I wouldn't live there. I mean, you say, well, Adam, you do live there. I know, I know. It's a story for another time. And I'm just talking about America. I'm not talking about Newport in particular. I mean, I don't know where you live, but it's all over the place. It's kind of rampant. All right? It's not like... And we and, and isn't your righteous soul vexed from day to day? Not only for that, not only for the uh, sin of homosexuality, but for all sin. I mean, it's just it's it's vexing, isn't it? If you're righteous, it is. The Lord knoweth how, and this is the point, this is the payoff, the Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptation, and the word is trials, or uh, affliction, or uh, tribulation, I think, you know, is a good way to say that, and to reserve the unjust under the day of judgment to be punished. He knows how to save, and he knows how to punish. He's those two things together. He's our Savior. He's also a righteous judge. I don't want to talk about one at the exclusion of the other. Uh, I could make a case here about pre-tribulation rapture, but that, again, would be uh, not going to serve our purposes, but just put it in the back burner of your brain. Uh, he, he knows how to judge. He knows how to deliver. But chiefly them that walk after the flesh and the lust of uncleanness and despise governments, despise government, presumptuous are they, self-willed. They are not afraid to speak evil of dignities. And he gives an example, whereas angels, which are greater in power and might, bring not railing accusation against them before the Lord, but as, uh, but these as natural brute beasts, made to be taken and destroyed, speak evil of things that they understand not, and shall utterly perish in their own corruption. Now, that's a tough, a tough passage. Let's go through it. It's talking about walking after their own flesh. Okay, that's never a good idea. In the lust of uncleanness, again, not a good idea. Despising government, I would say that is a good idea. Despise people who have authority over them. Despise being told what to do is kind of the idea. And uh, I think uh, you should, if you're a righteous person, you should rebel against unrighteousness. I think that's a godly thing. That's just me. Again, you know, uh, you know, the... Um, Civil disobedience guy, you know, done it, been there, done that, willing to do it again, not a problem with me, um, because we ought to obey God rather than men. Sometimes the government is at odds with that. And uh, so, you know, that's the issue. And when they are, but that's, again, story for another time. If we, if we talk about that, that's all we'll talk about. But I think it's just like the idea, like some people just rebellious against being told what to do. I don't care what you talk You know, my roads, I'm... I'll drive them 170 miles an hour if you want. Now, you can tell me, wait, what? That's not a godly or a good. I always, in my life, look for the authority and then do what they say. Ten foot tall and bulletproof. I listen, you know, it, we're talking about uh, obeying elders here a couple weeks ago. Why should I do that? I don't know, I do. I always find out who I'm responsible to, to listen to and then I work, I have a job, my boss tells me what to do. He can't tell me, who does he think it? He's the boss. <laughs> Easy. I don't have a problem with the speed limit. It's the law. It's the law of the land. I don't think you should drive 90 miles an hour through a schoolyard, frankly. And when the 
the, the police officer pulls you over, you be very respectful, very kind, show them your license, your insurance, hopefully you got all that stuff, and, and then pay whatever, don't speed if you don't like the results. That's kind of my idea. I don't, I don't know about you. You know why they pulled you over? Usually, because you deserve it. I, I don't know how else to say it. Oh, you're picking on me. And just, they never pulled me over and said, hey, you did fine. I see all that lane change. That was really something. They never happened, you know what I mean? And he pulled me over. He says, you know why I stopped you? And it's like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I always know, right? Anyway. I don't, I, don't have a, I don't have a problem with godly government. Presumptuous are they, self-willed. They are not afraid to speak evil of dignities. Um, despise governments as belittle control. And that's the idea. I'm the captain of my own. You can't tell me. I'm... No, we can tell you that God's put government in place over us. We're told we're supposed to pray for them. And I'm not talking about some sort of break the teeth of the wicked, oh Lord. I'm talking about seriously pray for them. I know uh, I know. Nancy Pelosi's praying for uh, the president, so that's all good, right? Uh, I pray for the president, too. I really do. And I didn't pray as faithfully for the last president. I'll just be honest. Um, when he mocked the Bible, I, that's my, that's my struggle. Uh, presumptuous are they self-willed. They're not afraid to speak evil of dignities. And he gives us an example, and it's really a far out example. Whereas angels, which are greater in power and might, bring not railing accusation against them, uh, against them before the Lord. If you have a, um, something in your Bible, it'll say like Jude 9. Say, Jude doesn't have nine chapters. No, nine verse, ninth verse. It's only one chapter book. We'll spend a couple of weeks in it. It's pretty interesting. But Jude 9, it says when, and it gives this weirdest example. He's talk, Jude's talking about the same thing that Peter's talking about here, and he's saying, but when Michael was fighting with Satan over the body of Moses, and you're thinking, what? Where's that in Scripture? It's not. But it's in Chronicles in the book of Jude. He said, he dares not bring railing accusation, but said, the Lord rebuke you. And he gave us an example of how we're to, you know, handle, because, you know, I, I don't know, I think there's some of these preachers out there who think like, you know, I tell Satan where he can go and what he can. What are you? You don't, uh, uh, no, 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 the Lord rebuke you. And that's what how it's done in the supernatural. But these as natural brute beasts may be taken and uh, destroyed, speak evil of the things that they understand not. That's the problem. I don't think we know what we're talking about. And shall utterly perish in their own corruption. And he's given us the example. And shall receive the reward of unrighteousness as they that counted pleasure to riot in the day uh, in the daytime. Party in the daytime is the idea. Sports are they and blemishes, sporting themselves with their own deceivings while they feast with you. And feast with you means share with your good things. So it's... Um, and he's talking about just sinful attitudes and attitudes of these who, because remember, uh, they make merchandise of you. They are, they are, they're all about, um, they bring in damnable heresies, denying the Lord that brought them. They're bringing swift destruction upon themselves. And earlier we saw in First uh, Peter that it, it's all about money. And if you follow the money trail, you'll see what's at the motive for why they do the things they do. But here they are, they're party people, they're looking, they have eyes full of adultery, and they cannot cease from sin, beguiling unstable souls and heart 
they have exercised with covetousness, uh, covetous practices, cursed children. Um, now, I'll give you a few more examples because he's going to keep on saying, eyes full of adultery means they look at all women as a potential adulteress. And they're talking about partners there. And they cannot cease from sin. He's talking about, are we talking about Christian people here, by the way? <laughs> I hope not. I mean, I hope not. Uh, in, in not in my life. Not in my life. When I, when I cross over a line in my thought life, the Holy Spirit of God's there and saying, that's no good. And I come to immediate repentance. I think Satan put these thoughts in my head. I, think, I don't think I, they're naturally there. I think they were naturally there at a time in my life when I was a brute beast outside of the, the covenant of the things of God. I think all kinds of wicked things. And that was my life. But now that the Holy Spirit's taken up residence, it's not. If any man being Christ is a new creation, but more on that in a while. But they're, they're, they're unstable souls. They're, they're, they're beguiling unstable souls. What? Because it harks back to adultery. Got, you know, a lady comes in to, for some sort of counseling, and then they end up having this awful thing go on, and just and that happens more than any one of us want to uh, talk about or think about. Why? Because they're not the real deal to begin with. Uh, you think, you're saying Christians can't be involved in that? No, they can. That's always the problem, isn't it? Because the Bible says, let those who name the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. And we have to see Christians involved, I mean real legitimate born-again people involved in every sort of wickedness that is imaginable. That's always the problem. But these, he's talking about these false ones, these false teachers, which have forsaken the right way and are gone astray, following the way of Balaam, the son of Bosor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. Back again, money. And we know the story of Balaam. Uh, and if you don't know it, he's going to just encapsulize the important part in verse 16. But it was rebuked for his iniquity, the dumbass speaking with man's voice, forbade the madness of the prophet. Now, if you're here visiting and you don't know, wait a second, a, a donkey was speaking to a guy? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, that was a wonderful... Imagine that. Have I, I've always been your donkey. Have I ever done like this before? Um, oh, if I had a sword in my hand, I'd kill you. You'd kill a talking donkey? <laughs> uh, uh, he says, hey, have I ever acted like this before? And Balaam says, nay. I can't make this stuff up. Uh, and so you think, you know, that's not really scriptural. Oh, yeah, it is. Oh, yeah, it is. Uh, God can give a dumb ass, dumb means not stupid, it means nonverbal, you know, dumb. Uh, he, he can give a dumb ass the ability to speak. Well, yeah, here Sundays and Wednesdays. But uh, somebody commented on this that, uh, you know, a dumb ass speaking isn't, uh, isn't such a miracle. Today, a dumbass not speaking, that's what we're looking for. But it, 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 people have nothing to say, but that doesn't ever stop them from saying it. It's a, rem, remarkable to me. I mean, you guys do get Facebook, right? I mean, but okay, we'll keep moving. And th so the donkey speaks, and he says, what are, you, what are you doing, basically? And God putting some, hey, God puts people in our way, sometimes things, sometimes circumstances, maybe a talking donkey in some extreme cases to tell us like, you're way off track. Uh, Balaam knew the word of voice of the Lord. Saved guy? Ah, now you're in trouble. Now you're in trouble. Because, you know, when we get to um, Jude, which is the book of the apostates, it's the act, I call it the Acts of the Apostates instead of the Acts of the Apostles. It's the Acts of the Apostates. And it gives us three examples. Cain, 
Balaam, and Korah. Now, if you can tell me those three guys were saved and lost their salvation, you, that's such a hard sell for me, okay? Maybe you can make that case. This always comes back to this. You know, we all know people who were on the path of righteousness, and then they turned away. And you have to do something with that theologically. They either saved and then lost, and a lot of people believe that. I get it. Again, I'm not calling anyone a heretic or anything like that. Or, like like me, I'd say never were really there to begin with. Like, you know, people look at Judas and say he lost his salvation. Obviously. Show me the verse where he had salvation. Well, Jesus called him. Many called. Few chosen. He never says, Peter said, my Lord, my God. Judas said, Rabbi, Rabbi. Well, the Pharisees called him Rabbi, too. So you know what I mean. If you can show me a, a scriptural, and then you'll say, well, no, but my son. I know, I got a son, too. We wrestle with the same things you wrestle with. You know, he seemed like such a godly young man. He seemed so, Susan tell you. So what happened? Did he lose his salvation? Or, did he have his, or is he just taking a little hiatus and going to come back? We don't, we don't know. Oh, yeah, yes, I hope to God you're right. From your lips to God's ears. Prodigal, the prodigal, he's slopping hogs. He looked like he was part of the world, but he was a son. He came back. and So that's always our hope. That's our prayer. Again, you know, but let's keep moving. Balaam, I don't think he lost anything. I never thought he was the real deal anyway. Uh, these are wells without water. What's a well without water? It's a hole in the ground, and a dangerous one at that, okay? People can fall in them. No, nothing good is happening. And, and so that, he's talking about false teachers. They're wells without water. They don't have anything. To, they don't have refreshments. They don't have truth. They don't have living water. They just got, they're just a hole in the ground. They're wells without water. They're carried with uh, clouds that are carried with a tempest. You see a cloud and you're a farmer and you think, oh, rain. It's not. It's not a rain cloud, just a cloud. Just going to obscure the sun, but it's not going to carry any blessing with it. And that's what he's saying here. To whom the mist of darkness is reserved forever. Read here. Damnation. For when they speak great swelling words of vanity, they allure through the lust of the flesh, through much wantonness, those who are, those that were clean, escaped from them who live in error. Uh, let's keep going. While they promised them liberty, that's always the case. Freedom. It's freedom here. You can do this and you can do that and you're free from moral restriction. That ain't freedom. Sin always leads to bondage. When the children of Israel are in Egypt, the world, it's a picture of before they were saved. And what were they doing? They were in bondage. Sin equals bondage always. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand fast. Don't be entangled in the yoke of bondage. Uh, well, I'm free to do whatever I want. You mean free to sin? I'm free to serve God. Top that. And that's what real freedom is. It's having the right master. Our master died for our sins. He's awesome. You you say, oh, my, my, my master is lust and, and lust of the flesh. That's a cruel master. Uh, drugs, alcohol, cruel master. My, uh, I'm mastered by, fill in the blank. Money. I love money. Boy, money is uh, horrible. Great servant. Nice tool. Horrible master. 
So it's only what you're mastered by. Be mastered by Jesus Christ. They promised them liberty. They themselves are the servants of corruption. That's why they're all lascivious, having eyes full of adultery. You cannot cease from sin, beguiling unstable souls. So we see one of these, you know, wealth and health and wealth guys crash and burn with some, I can name names, I just, I won't. Imagine our surprise, not at all. That's chickens coming home to roost. They promise them liberty. They themselves are the servants of corruption. For the man, for of whom a man is overcome, of the same he is brought in bondage. And it's all about that. You know, truth shall set you free. People misquote that all the time. If you continue in my word, then you're my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Oh, truth will set you free. Jesus Christ, the way, the truth, and the life will set you free if you continue in his word and you're the real deal. And if, how do you know if you're the real deal? If you're continuing in his word. In other words, obeying Jesus Christ. Let's keep moving. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome, the latter end is worse with them than the beginning. Now, say, see, they were saved and they lost their salvation. If that was the only verse that I ever looked at, I would kind of agree with you. It seems to su- suggest that. And I'm just going to be honest, okay? Now, all the people who say, no, I, I have eternal life and I'm not going to lose it and stuff like this. Again, I don't care what side you're on. You're going to have problem verses. This is one of them. I will say, and I will say problem verses. Does God put attention in his word about that on purpose? I would almost suggest that he did. But no, uh, remember from last week, uh, no, um, knowing this first, that no proph- uh, prophecy of the scriptures of any private interpretation. There are no standalone verses. You say, well... There are a lot of verses about losing your salvation or verses seem to suggest that. And I would say there's a lot of verses. I mean, that's why we have books are written on this. Debates are on this. Uh, yeah, you know, I would say, uh, let's have a debate. I'll take your side, you take mine. Because we know the verses. We can, that we can use them. We've, we've talked them through. This one, uh, obviously, in my theology, they've escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ must mean something less than salvation. They are, again, tangled there and overcome. The latter end is worse with them than the beginning. And that would be the case. I think, is it a knowledge? Just like a heart knowledge. I mean, a a head knowledge. Because here's the thing. I always had a head knowledge my whole life of Jesus Christ. I always believed that he was divine. I always believed that he was the second person in the Trinity. I always believed that he, he was the creator God. I always believed he died for my sins. And I wasn't born again. I mean, is that what it's talking about? Because the latter end of the, is worse than the beginning. For it had been better of them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they have known it to turn from the holy commandment to live it under them. It's better if they never knew. Why? Because the judgment is less severe. So when I know these things and I, I didn't follow these things, is that saying severe judgment? I kind of think it does say that. But it happened unto them according to the true proverb, the dog has turned to his own vomit again, the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. Now, I would just say this is a point in my favor. We're going to have the debate. The children of God are not pigs and dogs. The children of God are lambs and sheep. Okay? You know what the problem with pigs? You know what the problem with dogs? You can wash up a pig. They do it for the state fair, and they show them and stuff like this. Gate open, boom, right back into the mire because that's the nature of a pig. And they're washing them up. You can teach a pig table manners for that, but you haven't changed the nature of the pig. 
you can change the nature of the dog. Dog throws up because they eat these horrific things. They drink out of your toilet. Put the tidy bowl in there and everything, that little blue. They don't care. They drink that stuff. And then what happens? They throw up. And then they'll walk away and say, hey, I don't know if that's so bad after all. And I know, I know, you're all going to dinner. Easy, Adam, easy. I know, but we're talking about the nature of a dog. And the nature of a dog hasn't changed. Listen, again, you know, prodigal is a good example. When the prodigal is slopping honks, here we have this Jewish boy feeding swine, his unclean animal. What a fall. And you wouldn't know that he was saved. You wouldn't know that he was a son at that point, right? Because that's how it works. You don't, we, we can just act just as bad as they. But the problem is there wasn't a change. There wasn't a, a the, the problem with dogs and pigs is their nature. That's what I'm trying to say. I'm not a pig and I'm not a dog. And they may mean Christ is a new creation. Well, you know what? Old things, they passed away. All things have become new. I want us to understand that. Um, listen, you're saying, oh, so you're just going to tell everyone everything's fine and just you're eternally secure, right? Go ahead and send up a storm. I never would ever, ever, ever say send up a storm. I would never do that. I'm the guy who says choose to sin, choose to suffer. And if this finds you and you're thinking like, I don't know if I'm in or not, that's fine. That's a good thing. I don't know if I'm the real deal because I, I can see that I have eyes full of adultery and, I'm st- and I would beguile unstable souls. I, I party in the daytime. I, I, uh, I, I'm, uh, I've uh, gone after wages of unrighteousness. I'm, I, I feel like I'm a well without water. I, maybe these things have been speaking to your heart. Well, the answer is get right with God. If if you're um, an apostate or not Christian, or you're a Christian who's backslidden, you know what the answer is? The exact same thing. I don't know if um, about like okay, let's just say that people say you can lose your salvation. Just for a second, let's say that's true. Just for argument's sake, I got I got saved and I'm living for the Lord, and I sent up a storm and I lose it, and then I'm restored. And I'm born again, again. I was a new creation, then I wasn't a new creation. Then I became a new creation. I was recreated again. Let's say that happens. I, I don't know how it works. But whatever, I'm going to keep repenting, keep turning from sin. Keep. You see what I'm saying? Or let's just say I'm always a child of God all through that. But I'm involved in sin and de- depravity and wickedness. You know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to repent. Repentance, you see, see, this is why you're not a heretic in, in my thinking. The common denominator is you're wrong, get right. The, the common denominator is you're sinning, repent. What happens? God, he's, he's so merciful, he's so gracious. There's no reason for you to be out there slopping hogs, wallowing in the mire, returning to your vomit. There's, there's repentance. Lord, make me a new creation. Will he? Yeah, only every time. Okay, our time's well spent, okay, but I, I'm sorry, I went over, but we'll, we'll, we'll stop there. Uh, and our worship team will come, stand, we'll, we'll ask God's blessing. Lord, bless your word. Um, whether we're in one camp or the other, we want to be in your camp. We want to turn from unrighteousness, turn from our wicked ways. We see you know how to judge, 
and you know how to deliver. We want to be on team deliver. We want to be on the same page as you. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.